What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode nine of the Big Fly Pod with your co-host Christian Myers and myself, Ty Lewin, as we thought free agency couldn't have been crazy enough, Christian, last week. It continues as we see some major, major deals come through. We're going to break them all down. Hopefully, fan bases haven't burned down their stadiums yet. But let's check in. Let's check in with our boy Christian. Christian, how are we doing? We are doing good. Tonight is night one of week one of fantasy football playoffs. And I had Christian McCaffrey going against DK Metcalf. So a nice little 12 and a half point lead to start the week. Can't complain. Did he have that much? Did Christian, what did Christian yeah, he had like have tonight? 20, 24 something. And DK had like 11 or 12, I think. That's crazy, man. Shanahan's unbelievable. That's like that's just crazy to me that he is that legit. He legitimately has a un, almost undrafted quarterback running his team right now, and the guys just want they just want they just clinched the NFC West, right? They did, they did with Brock Purdy. Purdy, 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 unbelievable, unbelievable. Well, we're not a fantasy sports podcast. We won't give advice on that. I, I for sure, I'm not going to. But if you ever want it. Just shoot us a message. Maybe follow our pages, social media pages, at the Big Fly Pod. Whatever you want to do. Give us some love. Give us some love. Um, shout out to my wonderful fiance, Abby, for the hat and sweatshirt she made. So I guess we have merch now. Is that what, Can we say that? We have merch? We have merch. Not for sale we have widespread merch. yet, but we are getting <laughs> merch. We got merch. We got merch. That's a pretty cool feeling. I'm going to tell my boss that tomorrow. Um, going to go into free agency here. Let's get back to the podcast here. Uh, obviously, folks, one of the craziest off seasons we've had in quite some time. Guys like Carlos Correa coming off the books, Xander Bogarts, um, seeing trades of of major significance. And also, too, some still some big names in the market that we'll discuss. But at the end, we'll do a little surprise segment. And when I say surprise segment, it's actually a surprise for everyone, not including me, because Christian doesn't even know what I'm going to do to him. It's going to be quick, but hopefully it's fun as well. Maybe it's something we do here for the future. But let's let's start off here with the top. Carlos Correa to San Francisco, 13 years, $350 million, a guy that bet on himself, Went to Minnesota on a Scott Boris future, uh, featured deal, which uh, one year opt out. Goes to Minnesota, has a wonderful year. Goes on the market, is tagged to a lot of different teams. Decides to go to San Francisco. A lot of people saying that, hey, he went to San Francisco. Based on the fact now that he is the guy, if Judge ends up signing there, he more than likely is not signing there. Does Korea then go to New York? Obviously, a lot of different rumors out there of what would have happened. But off the cuff, Christian, Carlos Correa, 13 years. Is this deal good for baseball? I mean, I guess it it can be because of what we have been seeing in the last couple of years with all of these massive contracts for so many years that, you know, once upon a time ago, it was kind of a like a one-off thing if people got some of these deals i mean the alex rodriguez contract is the only one that comes to mind for me right away 
that I can think of prior to maybe like 2018 even um, where we saw something like this. But what a what a deal for Correa. And I think that the Giants did it perfectly because they're not overpaying a guy who I think we thought was going to be looking to get upwards of $30 million a year. And, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a math expert, but I think that 13-year contract that he got comes out to about – 26 or 27 million a year on average 27 which yep yep i think is awesome i mean the judge deal like i mentioned on the last podcast is one of those deals that is going to be great for a few years but once he starts to taper off they're going to hate it and you kind of have i mean you know that when you're buying one of these players for that long is that at some point their production is going to fall off with age because that just happens but with Correa, I think that this deal is really good for them because what the Giants now can do with him is you let him play at shortstop still where he is worth what you're paying him for. You know, he's, what, 30 years old, 29, 30. So about six, maybe seven years, if you're lucky, you can keep him there at shortstop and he can play above average baseball. And then on the back half of that contract, you know, you can probably move him over to third, which is what I imagine they're going to do with Brandon Crawford this year anyway. And with Correa, I think even on the back half of his deal, I don't think that you're going to necessarily see the drop-off that you might with guys like Aaron Judge, who Aaron Judge, you're paying for power, which is going to fade at some point. With Correa, you're kind of paying for an all-around guy who I think when he's in his the back half of his thirties, he can very easily continue to be a two thirty plus hitter, which is going to be just fine for them there. So if it's good for baseball as a whole is a good question. Um, and I don't know if I could definitively say yes or no, but I think that this contract, at least for the team that got him and the player is mutually beneficial. Absolutely. Yeah, largest contract for a shortstop in MLB history. Fourth largest guarantee in MLB history uh, behind Trout with $426 million, Betts at 365 Judge at 360 So this guy's getting absolutely paid. If you look at the Giants' payroll right now, I mean, basically it's, you know, they, they signed Hanniger to that deal that ends in 2020 or after 2025. Otherwise, all their deals are going to end either after this upcoming season or after 2024. So they're going to have a lot of room to play with. When it comes to free agency, obviously this is a type of deal where, you know, I think one one thing I saw, which I thought was really interesting, was that, you know, they're talking about like Bryce Harper's deal and they talked about like how Trey Turner decided to come there. Well, a lot of people were, a lot of things were going around where people were saying like Trey wanted to go play with Bryce. So is this now a step forward for players that want to say, hey, I want to go play with Correa, and I'll go play in San Francisco, and they got the money because legitimately, dude, everything is coming off the books here in a couple of years. That was probably one of the of the pitches to Correa was, look, we're going to have all this room to do whatever whatever the hell we want, so why don't, we, why don't you come on over? You're coming to San Francisco. Obviously, one of the best ballparks – one of the best fan bases in all of baseball, very underrated fan base. And I think this is going to be just an awesome thing for, for baseball. So um, in reference to the question I asked you, 
I think the way I'd answer it is that baseball is now in a different period of time. And a lot of it has to deal with Steve Cohen and what he's done with the Mets and all these major deals. But I would take it a step back further and say, well, look at the Harper deal. Look at the Mike Trout deal. Look at the, uh, you know, some of these other deals that have happened in the past. Like these things have been coming for a long time. And we just, I don't think that the talent at the reference of the peak of talent that we have right now in the MLB has been where it's at. And I think that these guys just finally said, we're going to go get paid and we're done doing these little single year deals. Um, And yeah, I mean, this is just absolutely insane. You flip it over now to Xander Bogarts. He gets 11 years at $280 million. Details of both those contracts with the AAV will come out here. Uh, John Heyman usually puts them out of what the deals look like. I think it's going to be very, very important to see what those deals look like because are they backloaded contracts? Are they just normal AAV year, year after year after year? Um, that'll be interesting to see how that handles uh, for teams. But, I mean, this type of money is going to become stationary in the game of baseball. Uh when it comes to these contracts, now we look at a guy like Dansby Swanson, right? The last big time shortstop on the market, the fourth guy in the entire group of shortstops that has been the main uh, talking point throughout this entire free agency. Trey Turner gets eleven years at three hundred million. I'll I'll say Xander's again: eleven years at two hundred eighty million, and thirteen years at three hundred fifty million for Carlos Correa. Bogarts had a 131 OPS plus, 5.8 war uh, last year. Turner had a 121 OPS plus. That was an OPS plus for Bogarts as well, 4.9 war. Correa, 140 OPS plus, 5.4 war. Highest in the shortstop group, right? So that probably explains why he got the highest money. Swanson, 115 OPS plus, but had a 5.7 war. Higher than Trey Turner. In your opinion right now, man, what are you thinking? Like... Are we going to see something of that 10-year magnitude for Swanson? Or are we looking at something a little bit short-term from him? Your prediction right now, things obviously haven't been announced yet, but your thoughts right away. I mean, right away, I would be leaning towards a shorter deal for Dansby. I think the teams that wanted to make those longer commitments have already done so. And with Dansby, I think it's an interesting spot that he's in being the last one on the board, but I think it could be beneficial for him just from a monetary value, because what he could do now is go to one of these teams that's missed on that shortstop, like, you know, just the teams that I can think of um, that have been in the rumor mill with all these guys is the Cubs and the Dodgers for sure is two that have been there. And I think Dansby could do something very similar to what Correa did last year with Minnesota is go to one of these teams and say, hey, I just want this shorter contract for a little bit bigger money. So maybe like a two year, two years at 30, 31 million a year, possibly, and go with a team that is either not necessarily a contender today, but could become one. Um, through the course of this free agency into next year or maybe after the following offseason or even a team like the Dodgers where they're just missing that one piece and they offloaded some money to try and make a big splash at some of these names that have already signed like Judge and Verlander and maybe Correa who they may have been able to get if 
fan involvement didn't take over there. Um, so maybe that's something that Dansby looks to do because I don't know. I can't think of any teams right now off the top of my head that would want to go out and say, hey, we'll make a you know, 10, 11, 12-year commitment to the shortstop um, when a lot of a lot of these clubs that might need one in the next few years have been grooming their prospects to become that perennial shortstop in their organization. So what he decides to do and what a team decides to do with him is going to be very interesting to see because I guess Atlanta is still in the mix as well um, of a team that needs to fill that role. And maybe they decide to put him on, you know, a six, seven year deal while they have, that whole core group still intact. Yeah. Cause if he wants to take the risk of doing the Korea type method of, I'm just going to, you know, take a one year deal or, or excuse me, three to four year deal, but have the opt out after year one, I can see that being a valuable option for him because when you look at the shortstops for the next upcoming free agent class, Tim Anderson, who is on a club option, but still would be a pretty solid shortstop. I don't know if you take TA or or Dansby, but Brandon Crawford, Paul DeYoung, uh, Kiner Kale- uh, Falefa, excuse me, uh, Mondesi, Miguel Ro- Rojas, and Ahmed, Ro- uh, Ahmed Ro- uh, Rosario. Like, he'd be the top guy. Mm-hmm. Would he get paid as much? That's where it's kind of like, okay, like what happens there, right? Because it's like, take the short-term deal because you're going to get the money now and then bet on yourself to try and get the biggest contract next year. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Really interesting though. Um, another team that I heard as well that supposedly is in the running form is now the Red Sox, which makes a lot of sense, you know, to try and keep Devers a little bit happier and stuff. And I think Dansby would look pretty good in the Boston Red Sox uni. I'd love to see him in a Cub uni, but again, that could be something we talk about later. Carlos Rodon, biggest news of the night. Thank God it came before the podcast because the Bogarts deal came after the last podcast. Kind of disappointed in that. Padre should have thought about us before that, but it is what it is. Six years, $162 million. Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino, and Frankie Montez. Starting rotation for the Yankees projected to be here in 2023. Your thoughts off the top there, bro? Yeah, I love the deal for Rodon, just from his perspective. I think coming into free agency, I think he was looking for a little bit of a longer deal, one of those, like we've been talking about, one of those 9, 10, 11 years, something like that. Maybe not that excessive, but he still gets six years for the same average that he was probably looking to get, maybe even a little bit better. Um, Again, not being – a math whiz i think his contract comes out to about 25 27 okay 27 million so even better than what i was thinking and from that perspective i really like it he goes into a spot where he's going to be in contention to win a world series right away he's going to be the number two probably in that rotation which is awesome for him to be pitching behind Garrett Cole. I think that's going to be a great back-to-back to to have. Um, Excuse me. And uh, from the Yankees' perspective, um, I mean, looking at it now, obviously, yeah, it looks really good, but it's where I 
am a little bit confused on this move is why, if they were going to go so hard after a left-handed pitcher, why they would have traded away Montgomery last year at the deadline. Uh, And obviously getting Bader back in return was great for them. They needed an outfielder to make that push, and they got him, um, Bader, I mean. and But then they traded away uh, my guy, J.P. Sears, who I love. I mean, he was fantastic when he would make his spot starts for them coming up from AAA, and he got dealt away in the Montez and Trevino trade uh, with Oakland. Um, So from that perspective, I wonder why they would not have just kept those guys on board and tried to maybe put a little bit more money towards getting one of the more higher priced outfielders to pair with Aaron judge. But I'm sure in the future, I mean, it's going to be a great move for New York and it's going to pay off well because you get Rodon, who's been a very dominant pitcher over the last few years with the White Sox and the Giants. Um, So I was just playing a little bit of a devil's advocate, if you will, there on that. Um, But those are my thoughts, Ty. So let's hear what you have to say about Rodon. My only, yeah, no, and and you make some great points there. You know, I want looking at both the Yankees and Rodon. So the Yankees now are, them and the Mets look to be the two projected teams over the luxury tax. And obviously we are finding out that Steve Cohen does not care about the luxury tax. And obviously the Yankees will be the Yankees. So that's one thing. What I'm wondering though is, is that what is, Rodon has had the strangest career. Like he was this guy and then he got brought in to the, or he was with the White Sox started to have those injury concerns. He got that dead arm right before the playoffs where they were trying to fight against the Astros and couldn't fight through it. Then he had the big year last year. So now he gets six years. So do you think the Yankees, and I want to throw this back to you just really quick. Do you think the Yankees are just like, we're fighting to see if we can get three years out of this guy that are going to be top level career years? Or do you think this is actually something where this guy can stay consistently healthy for six years? I know you can't predict health, but do you do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I I completely understand what you're saying, and I think with him it's just a like, you know, he's been had a couple of really good years the last few that he's pitched. Um, so if we're getting him while he's in his peak, we may as well get him while he's still coming up and about to hit that top. So could it be you know a great three years and then a three year drop off? Maybe, but it could also be one of those where he's finally found the consistency and figured out how to manage himself. And the Yankees have so much depth uh, within their farm system on the pitching too, that if um, fatigue and stamina later into the season becomes a concern, I think that they have those pieces where they can say, Hey, you know, take this start off in July, take this start off in, August take these two or three starts off in September um and even if it's not a full like you know you're not starting it's hey just go give us two three innings just to stay stay active and stay throwing but we can limit those innings on the year so that way when it comes to mid late October we have you back at at full strength and I think if they do that for six years and they're able to manage him in the right way 
I think over the course of the six years, it's going to be a very good deal that they made with him this off season. Yeah. I mean, thinking about it too, if the Yankees are looking at being the top team for next year in the AL, it's not to say the Strohs are not the top team, right? They're at, they're still absolutely loaded. But if the Yankees were looking at this saying, if the pitching can be what gets us potentially to the World Series, like we need to get to go get we need to go get the best guy now, and we'll worry about the budget and all that later, right? Because you still have obviously now you have Judge and Garrett Cole and Stanton still for at least through twenty twenty seven. You got DJ LeMayu through twenty twenty six. Some big big time contracts. You get Donaldson probably off the books. You're gonna get Severino's gonna need to get paid after next year. So you're and guys like you know you have these little weird deals like Aaron Hicks and stuff, but you have a lot of these deals that are just these big major major deals, and maybe they're just like hey like we're gonna try and take the chance now and see and make it work. We know we got Judge for the long term. We can find out a later plan from there, but we're gonna go win it now, and then we'll just try and worry about this you know potential health thing with with Rodon, which a lot of people aren't necessarily talking about based off his last year. But this is a guy who was non-tendered two years ago by the White Sox, which I was jokingly saying to uh, some of our White Sox friends that I don't know if the White Sox have made great decisions in quite some time. But it's it, it is a wild deal. I think I I think everyone saw it coming. It was just when is this going to come to fruition and how is this going to look for the future? So I think in in the short term, this is just such a sick deal for the Yankees. I think they're solidified now as being a top you know, top contender for going to the World Series next year based on the fact now that they have solidified a rotation that can legitimately take them through the entire playoffs. So, again, just awesome deals. I mean, baseball right now, normally a lot of these deals weren't taking place over the last couple of years till spring training. And, man, they've just been taking – they've just been getting going right away. I think it's because of the, you know, the idea that now the CBA is back in effect. You know, these teams know they're generating revenues over the next couple of years, and now they're able to project – um, what that's going to look like, and and they're able to fit in these deals a little bit easier and feel a little bit more confident with it. But, man, baseball is spending that money these days. But going away from the idea of money, now going to one of the oddest trades I've seen in a very, very long time. So the A's trade Sean Murphy to the Atlanta Braves. Oakland gets left-handed pitcher Kyle Muller, utility guy used to... Re- Easteri Ruiz, I believe that's how you say it. Right-hand pitcher, uh, Freddie Tarnock. Uh, right-hand pitcher, Royber Salinas. And then catcher, Manny Pena, veteran catcher. Milwaukee gets catcher, William Contreras. As a Cub fan, I now have a Contreras on both the Brewers and the Cardinals. So take a moment of silence right now for me. Just kidding. Right-handed pitcher, Justin Yeager. And right-hand pitcher, Joel Payampas. Payamps. These names are tough, man. One, I, I don't know what the what the A's really got back here. And we can dive that into that here in a little bit. So did a little bit of breakdown, just trying to do some notes about what all these things entail, right? So the Braves get an absolute stud in Sean Murphy, right? Just hiding over there in Oakland, having to just busts his ass in a, with a team that has no aspirations to do anything for the near future. 
And, man, he he put in the work. And the Braves got a guy, 28-year-old gold glove catcher, three years of remaining control based on his current contract. The defensive stats there for 2023, 96 percentile in pop time, 86 percentile in framing. Offensive stats, 759 OPS in 2022. Improved his strikeout rate from going from 25% to 20% between 2021 to 2022, which I think is a very, very cool stat. And I think the Braves love that, especially with the way that the style that they play baseball. Just before I go to you, Christian, I'm going to go just kind of through all the players that were involved in this trade. Brewers get, so the Brewers, out of somehow out of nowhere, are involved in this trade. And somehow out of nowhere, get a better haul than the A's. Somehow. William Contreras, Wilson Contreras' brother, 2022 NL All-Star. Primary DH for the Braves in 2022, a team that... You know, just got caught at the wrong time with a with a hot team with the Phillies. One thirty eight OPS, and up there in exit velocity in reference to this the stack guys that are listening to the podcast, but up there in exit velocity across catchers. They got two relievers in Payamps. I believe that's how you say it. I'm, I'm probably butchering the hell out of his name. I know he's listening to this podcast right now too. Uh, and Justin Yeager, um, both relief guys. Piamps had more uh, time in the big leagues last year, 41 games last year, 3.23 ERA, and a 2.56 strikeout-to-walk ratio uh, for the Royals, then over to the A's. And then Yeager was a minor league guy. The A's, this is just strange. So the A's get Ruiz, who is the who is, uh, who is came to Milwaukee in the hater deal, then obviously got sent to Oakland. Uh, he had a pretty solid minor league season. 332, 447, 550, uh, 556 slash line between double A AA and triple A. Left-handed pitcher Kyle Muller, 6'7", left-handed pitcher, mid-90s fastball, and a swing and miss slider, reporting, uh, according to reports. Uh, Tarnuk and Salinas are both relievers. Manny Pena is a veteran 35-year-old catcher. None of these players are top 100 prospects that they got in the deal. Muller and Ruiz are actually only the fifth and sixth ranked prospect now in the A's system, which the A's don't have a top level system, farm system right now. Okay, so after all of that, Christian, are we starting to see this demise truly? The demise of this whole, these top level teams are paying all this money, are going to do their thing. And these lower end teams are just, they're just going to have to build through the draft for five to six, seven years. Like, dude, this is like, this is sad. Like, this is a really, really sad deal. Is this just Oakland saying, screw it, we're just trying to get to Vegas? Like, this is sad, man. Dude, well, I actually think it's not awful by Oakland. Of course Um, you do. So first off, don't don't knock the pineapple. Um, Manny Pena, <laughs> he when he's an everyday player, he doesn't do as bad as I think he gets credit for. It's just that you don't see him as an everyday guy um, very often. But I think the last time that he was an everyday guy was with Milwaukee, like a few years ago. But anyways, um, 
looking at what they've done the last couple years with two trades with the Braves, with this Sean Murphy trade, and then last year with the Matt Olson trade, they've been able to haul in a ton of these prospects from the Braves that when they were drafted or, or in the international signings and came up through the minor leagues, they were the guys that people were looking at like, wow, just wait till he gets in and gets to play with Acuna. And when he's up at the top of the order next to Albies um, and all these players, and now Oakland is kind of taking them in and building around that. And that's kind of what Oakland has to do is they're not going to be able to go out and make any big signings in free agency. They can sign, some of the veterans or some younger guys who haven't had as much success in their organizations. Um, And they, like you said, they go through the draft and they build these prospects. And every four or five years, we see the A's have a little bit of flash and make that run into the playoffs. Um, And what they're, and then with the guys that they do get, you know, they let them be good in the big leagues for, three, four years until they're coming up on uh, when it's going to be time to start talking about contract renewals and extensions. And when they know they're not going to be able to extend any of these guys because the cost will be so high, they dish them off to a new team and then they get new prospects in and just start that consistent rebuild that always ends up paying off for them. So I think that what they are doing and what they have been doing the last couple of years with some of these deals is going to pan out for them, even though it's probably not going to be necessarily 2023 or 2024, but maybe 2025, once they get all these guys up to that level, uh, the big league level, I mean, and let them start playing they could make another playoff push again. And I'm not saying that they're going to be world series contenders necessarily, but if, if the Astros start falling off a little bit because some of those guys are getting older, then Oakland can jump right in for maybe that third place spot in the AL West and potentially sneak into a wild card somewhere. Um, And then looking at it from the Braves' perspective, too, I mean, obviously it's a great deal for the Braves. You're pairing Sean Murphy with Travis Darnot, which gives you two all-star caliber catchers, and one of whom you can play at DH, depending on what they choose to do in that spot, because now you have two great options at catcher and three great options at DH with those two names plus Ozuna. So awesome. I mean, you know, Atlanta's just going to be right there again with their offense to compete with the Mets and the Phillies, who have obviously made some flashy moves. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you, man. I, 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 I do. I, It's almost as if I'm a fan, like looking at it from the fan standpoint, I'm like, my God. I, I, I At least the Cubs won the World Series, so I'm not sitting here and being like, oh, whoa, us. Like, we won a World Series. Like, it, deal with the struggles right now. Um, but it's crazy because you look at the lineup that the Oakland A's had in 2019, dude. They had Marcus Simeon, Stephen Piscotty, Chris Davis, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, Jerkson Profar, Ray- Raymond Luriano. Then, of course, you had um, um, 
Oh my God. Oh my God. Who am I looking for? I'm looking for. Oh, sorry. Mark Hanna, Sean Murphy, Chad Pinder. Rotation wise, you had Chris Bassett, Jesus Lazardo, Marco Estrada, Blake Trinan. I mean, this is, it's, just, I mean, if this works out, great. I mean, they, they, it just seems like they're just going to do this. I mean, it just seems like the path that they're just going to take for the foreseeable future. Maybe when they get out to Vegas. You know, hopefully, you know that's the that's a rumor right now, but we'll see, we'll see. Um, but the other thing I wanted to comment on is what the Braves are doing right now from like their projected payroll. They're they're still top in reference to payroll, but they're not even close to luxury tax. Matt Olson, Charlie Morton are at the twenty million mark. Acuna is at the seventeen million mark. Azuna and Riley are at that sixteen to fifteen, and everybody's below ten. Like, this is just absolute, I mean, from a, if you're an accounting major at a college near us, please just go over to Spot Track and just see these deals that have been done and how they are allowing themselves to be so successful for years to come. I mean, just out of this world, truly out of this world. So really interested to see what happens from the Braves standpoint now with having Sean Murphy do they put him you know do they sign him here to the one of those you know uh, Christian I saw a funny joke that the uh, Braves are going to sign Sean Murphy to a 10-year 20 million dollar deal is probably what they're going to do here in the uh, next couple of weeks probably won't be the case but again just marvelous what they're doing. Um, just an absolute steal in in our eyes. Uh, in Christian's eyes, maybe a little bit different. In my eyes, a steal. But again, going to be crazy here for the future. Last major deal we got here on the books, two deals that go with the New York Mets who have been spenders out of this world. Kodai Senga, five years, $75 million. Looks to be opt-out after three years, which would be 2025. And then Brandon Nimmo, eight years, $162 million. They keep their guy. They got their center fielder for the foreseeable future. A couple key points here uh, with the Mets. Scherzer is out after the next two years. And then Verlander is out after the next three years, 2025. I think from the Kodai Sanga standpoint, I think he made an incredible deal here because now he has the opportunity to be the number three, number four, depending on what happens. Potentially become the number two um, if if things don't work out for one of the top guys. But this dude's sitting; he's sitting in a beautiful position now because now he can really start to focus on his what he's going to do over the next three years to build up for his career and doesn't have to do everything here in the first year. And he's a part of the team that is projected right now to potentially win the World Series. So, off the top, Christian Kodai Senga, Brandon Nimmo, is this your now World Series? Uh, prediction with the Mets? Um, I wouldn't go that far to say okay. that it's it's a World Series prediction, but obviously they're going to compete again and be a contender all year to make it that far. Um, you know, what ends up happening will happen down the stretch, and since I'm saying that I don't know that they – have the juice to go all the way. They're probably not just going to make it, but they'll probably win. Um, looking at the the moves, Nimmo, obviously great to bring back. He was kind of a focal point there in the middle of that lineup last year. So good on them for keeping him there. The Sanga deal is going to be 
interesting. I think like we talked about with the Red Sox uh, grabbing the other Japanese player that was posted, um, and we talked about how it, it doesn't always pan out for those guys to come over and do well right away or do well at all. Uh, with Sanga, I did not realize his age. Um, he's 29 years old, and what I was looking at uh, here earlier before was some of the more recent Japanese starting pitchers that have come over. Um, and I looked at Daisuke Matsuzaka when he came over with Boston, um, Tanaka with the Yankees, um, Kaikuchi who came over with, uh, Seattle and then went to Mariners. Toronto. Yep. Um, yep. Kenta Maeda and then Kohei, Kohei Arihara and you Darvish as well. And with the exception of Darvish, all of these other guys, once they hit 30, t- tend to struggle in the big leagues. Now, whether that's a, a pattern of just the Japanese guys coming or if that's just a product of aging as a pitcher um, is a question that I am not scientifically able to opine on because – you know, I don't know, but um, but just with the coincidence there, again, with the exception of Darvish, who has been pitching really well the last couple of years, these guys come over and they do pretty well for that first year when it's something because all the Japanese guys have something unique about their pitching, right? Like, you know, with Matsuzaka, uh, he had his gyro ball, remember, that was so... Yep. baffling to hitters and they all do something whether it's like a hitch in their wind up or whatever it is and it throws guys off for a year but then after that year they all start catching on and so it's always interesting to see what happens with these players so I, I know with Senga you know you're not seeing as much money as you were seeing to some of the guys that have gone off the board and in the pitching side of free agency this year but I'm very intrigued to see how he does this year pitching at age 29 in year one versus what's going to happen over the course of the next four years that he's going to be in New York to round out that deal because, you know, you never know what what you're going to get really when when these players come over from Japan and come try and pitch over here in the States. It's always always a bit of a toss-up. So for that reason, that's why I don't know if I think that that move necessarily puts them in a position because it could be, you know, it could obviously pan out very well, or it could be one of those things where it's hard for them to adjust. And, you know, another name I had on here that, you know, you guys may not remember unless you're big Yankees fans is Kay Agawa who came over in like 08 and 09 or 07 and 08, something like that. And he was supposed to be this big time Japanese stud coming over and flopped I mean right away he lasted only two years over here and then went back to pitch in Japan because he just did so poorly um so it'll be interesting to see what he has but Senga also brings a whole different ball game because he's you know he's a triple digits guy for a long time in the game so that could be also um something that plays in his favor really well. And and I'm not including Shohei Otani in this discussion because he's just on another level from 
I mean, not just the Japanese guys, but everybody else. Yeah, Babe Ruth came back in a different form. Um, yeah, because now, I mean, Sang has got this devastating splitter. Will that play? You know, this in this in this in in this you know era of baseball. You know, with with all these different angles and all these different things. I heard that Sango was really looking for an organization from an analytical standpoint that was going to be top notch. I I don't know if the Mets are in that area or in that realm. I'm guessing they are. Uh, Cohen's probably throwing even more money in that department as well. But they also added Jose Quintana, so now they round up the starting rotation with Verlander, Scherzer, Senga, Quintana, and Carrasco. And they also have a solid left-handed pitcher in Dave Peterson as well. So the Mets have a legitimate starting rotation, but I think that they've kind of given themselves a little bit of a a barrier on the back end with Carrasco and uh, Peterson along with Quintana because Quintana really came back to life here and, and started to really come into his own uh, with the Cardinals this past year. Cause he was one of the really top lefty pitchers this past year, based on a guy that was able to locate properly and get guys out that's going to play. And so will Senga potentially struggle in this first year and, and have that kind of growing path that a lot of these players do end up going through probably. And I think that the Mets have put themselves in a good position on the back end. I think Steve Cohen has done just an incredible job. So Crazy to think that all this money that the Mets are putting out, but again, a lot of these deals are coming off here in a couple of years to put them in a position to look to see what they want to do in 2025 with guys like Scherzer and Verlander coming off the books with obviously the goal of potentially having a World Series by that time and being able to look towards the future and what they want to do uh, with their potential deals. Um, looking at the other, the, the remaining, really the top remaining free agents left, a uh, guy that we mentioned earlier was Dansby Swanson, still on the books, currently on his honeymoon, so may have a deal by the time he gets back. We'll see. Outfielders, Michael Conforto and Andrew Benatendi, and then some other names that I thought were important to notice, you know, Brandon Jury, who I've always just loved as a ball player, would love to see him with the Cubs because I think he's a really, really solid bat and obviously he can play in a lot of different positions. Gene Segura is also out there. You know, solid little veteran second baseman you can put in there if you need him. Trey Mancini, a guy that, like we discussed, had that situation where he came from, you know, the Orioles to the Astros and was put in a pretty difficult position to be successful and try and provide a lot for that team. You know, it's tough. And then, of course, uh, J.D. Martinez, which a guy that maybe has dropped off in this uh, in the stats department, but... You add another hitting coach to your team and another guy that can still put up a solid season, and you can put him in your DH position right then and there. So that rounds out the free agent talk. Now, my little segment that I talked about that I know Christian has been thinking about this entire time, it's probably not that exciting. I will admit that, but I think it's fun. How is this going to work? Under the radar, free agent signings, grade A through F. If you want to go F minus, you can, but it's it's quick. Right, I'm gonna fire them off, and you're gonna tell me, okay? I mean, there's not really a, a, a you know an, an issue if you take a couple seconds to answer because I can't really. There's no punishment that I can give you, but I think this would be kind of a fun thing to do, okay? The last one is the most intriguing, and I'm interested to hear your answer. Okay, are you ready? Okay, I hope the last one is what I think it might be. It would be hilarious. It, it, we would know we were true podcasts we were supposed to do a podcast together if we can guess the same thing okay probably not going to be I, I i probably can predict this okay 
Ross Stripling to the Giants. B. Sean Manaya to the Giants. A. Chris Bassett to the Blue Jays. A. Kevin Kiermeyer to the Blue Jays. B. Okay. Orioles sign Adam Frazier. When your deal? C. Rocky sign reliever Pierce Johnson. Ah, oh, that's what I deal. thought might be the last one. A plus plus. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. Royals sign Ryan Yarborough. When your deal? C plus. Yeah, C minus. Dodgers sign Noah Syndergaard. When your deal? D. Mets sign David Robertson. When your deal? C. Ooh, okay. Final one. Yankees signed Brian Cashman to a four-year deal. <laughs> um, I, I mean, how do you how do you not just give that an A? He's just he's been so good. He hasn't done anything wrong for them. He's kept them as like a perennial Yankee team for as long as he's been there. So you may as well just Which keep. Job? I mean, who who do you, who is a guy you could think of that would walk into that there and do better than the person who's been there the longest in the hundred and however many years that the Yankees have been around? I just thought it was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and it was going to cut you off guard. Well, um, folks, that's. Really, all we got. Um, this free agency is really just came at the right time for here for our podcast, and we've been able to talk about a lot of things. Christian, anything to add or say to the fans that can potentially buy merch? They could buy merch. Can you imagine yeah, that? They we were like, hey, buy merch. It. Buy merch for our podcast. I know. We got to see if we could. I don't know if we are able to put that out, but if we can figure out a way. You're a lawyer. Yeah, you're a lawyer. You can figure yeah, it out. Yeah, we could figure it out. Are we allowed out. to do that? No. But we'll figure okay. it out. We'll figure it out. LLC. Big Flypod LLC. <laughs> you know, one of those things. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right, everyone. Well, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, episode 9, just going through all this crazy offseason we've had so far in free agency. Really excited to see what can happen here over the next couple of weeks because a lot of the under-the-radar under guys are going to get signed, potentially filling a lot of holes for some of these teams that could be big pieces for the teams here moving into 2023. But other than that, folks, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you here soon.